Becoming a homeowner didn't happen all at once for me. It was bit by bit. A little when we signed the paperwork for that first place in Gainesville. A little when friends came over for a painting party before we moved in. But even months and years after that, I still felt like a renter. When the plumbing would back up and there would be sewage in the tub, Again, always on a Sunday afternoon when I was exhausted. And I'd have to call Josh, who I was on a first-name basis with, to come back out and route through the pine roots that would grow through the drain line in the front yard, just the way he'd done six months ago. I'd think things like, why isn't this resolved? When is this going to get fixed? But I knew I'd become a homeowner when, on one vacation, I heard about a storm that had come through Gainesville while we were away. And I started worrying about the laurel oak in the backyard. Couldn't stop thinking about it. Couldn't fall asleep. Imagining that it had come down and was now lying across two of our bedrooms. I debated which friend would be most willing to drive by and give the all clear so I could relax. When we bought the place, a church member who had formerly been the city arborist had come over to take a look at the trees in the yard and groaned when he went by this one, which seemed like a good sign. I'd like to say it was cracked in reference to the Leonard Cohen song, but the truth is it was like 40% hollow, a big gaping wound in the back of the tree just rotting away. Our friend told us, you need to have this tree down immediately. Now, a few years later and hundreds of miles away, I was wondering if the wind had done the job for us. Over those years, I I had thought about it often. Every time I passed by on my way to lay down in the hammock, or when I'd see a big pileated woodpecker clearing dead wood out of the center of the tree by the beakful, that tree needs to come down immediately, I would think. When is this going to get fixed? I guess even when I was on vacation thinking about it, I hadn't really become a homeowner. It it wasn't until I came back and asked a friend for recommendations on tree companies and, and made the call to Otis Brown and walked with Otis through the backyard and blushed when he told me, Mr. Vince, you almost let the clock run down on this one. Only when I cut the check and the tree came down and I could vacation in peace except for the pine tree in the front yard which tended to drop big limbs. This August, after church one Sunday, one of our trustees asked for a huddle. We need to make a plan for tuck pointing, they said, and and led us through some of the most vulnerable areas of our facade. They'd walked around with a brick guy that week and they were looking at the place with new eyes. I recognized that daunted look from my own tours of our building, from my dawning sense of what it takes to keep this place in working order. Though it took me a lot longer to move from that daunted place to a place of formulating a plan for action. Months and years of walking by things saying, someone should do something about that. It's been a gift to work with our trustees, the ones we have now and the ones we had when we got here. 
to see the way that they care for this place, the way they've taken ownership of it, the way they treat this house and all of its cracks as they would their own. This morning, we have people working on the north side of the building, and I, we weren't expecting that, and I was able to text our trustees and say, help! When a leak in our attic AC unit brought the ceiling of Nola's room down this summer, even though they were headed out of town for vacation, our trustees worked tirelessly to get it fixed. They treated my house as their own. That's how you know you've become a church member. Not only, or even most importantly, by caring for the building, but by caring for the people, which is the real reason we do all the work that we do. To care for one another, to care for you and, and you for me. Church membership happens bit by bit. A little maybe when you officially join. A little when you fill out that pledge card each year. Maybe today, online. A lot by showing up week after week. But somewhere in there, there's a moment when you're relaxing hundreds of miles away. You're supposed to be on vacation and it pops into your head. I wonder how Dave and Laurel are doing out in Washington. I wonder if Linton's father is all right with that COVID outbreak at his place. I wonder how those new folks I was seeing on the lawn are, are adjusting to this online thing. I wonder how big Sawyer has gotten, how big Linnea has gotten. I wonder what Ivy is doing these days. It happens when you think about them, but, but even more when you reach out and let them know, I see your joy. I see your pain. I am here to witness. I care. I am starting to love you as I love my own. Maybe you don't say it exactly that way, but you say enough so that they know. It's that great commandment that the lawyer in our scripture quotes to Jesus. Love your neighbor as yourself. The little section that Rebecca read this morning is kind of the preamble to the story that we call the Good Samaritan about a man who is robbed and beaten and left for dead on the side of the road, and about others, religious leaders, who see him there, broken and bleeding, and pass by. Maybe, probably, they think someone should do something. But for lots of reasons, they figure it's not them. Not their problem, not their responsibility, not, not appropriate for them to intervene. Not their expertise, their bailiwick. But then a man who couldn't be expected to stop, who is under no obligation, who is in fact an enemy of this person, a Samaritan, someone who has no cause to care, stops and treat this, treats this hated man with the same love that he would have for himself. He sees the other man's pain, his vulnerability, his brokenness, and he doesn't walk by, but he treats it as his own. We don't know anything about the Samaritan's journey to that place, the bit by bit that leads him there to this act, but in this moment, he becomes a neighbor, Jesus says. This week, as with every election week, but also as with everything in 2020, now more than ever, there have been calls for healing. 
This election, the last election, the last four years, the last 400 years have laid bare the pain and vulnerability of our nation, of our neighbors, for anyone who cares to notice them. It is evident how many are hurting, how much is broken. The cracks are showing everywhere, the gaping wounds. But calls for healing, at least the calls themselves, are more or less the same as saying, someone should do something about this. At least that's how I tend to respond to them. I agree, healing is needed. People should be healed. Someone should heal this place. And I've, I've voted for the people that I think have healing on their agenda. And then mostly what I do is spend the next four years walking past those same cracks, passing by those wounds and wondering, when is someone going to take care of that? When is this going to get fixed? Or, or getting mad and saying, it's past time someone took care of that. Or getting sad and anxious and depressed and saying, I don't think anyone is ever going to take care of that. I've taken the tour, I know the issues, but too rarely have I taken them as my own. Over the last couple months, I keep seeing some version of the meme that says, vote as if your skin is not white, your parents need medical care, your spouse is an immigrant, your land is on fire, your child is transgender, your house is flooded, your sister is a victim of gun violence, your brother is gay, your water is unsafe. The list is obviously incomplete. There are many more cracks in the system, much more pain to notice, to not pass by. But it all boils down, more or less, I think, to vote as if you loved your neighbor as yourself. As if the pain were your own, as if the joy were your own, as if the cracks were yours to fix, the wound yours to heal especially the ones you might be least expected to care about. Those are the most important. Now the voting is done. I, at least, am breathing a sigh of relief. And it would be so easy for me to get back to passing by, to assuming that someone is working on it now more than ever, to trust that it will be fixed. It would be easy, but it wouldn't be neighborly. Now the voting is done, and all that is left is to live that same way every moment of every day. To notice the pain and not walk away. To see the cracks and take responsibility for them. To recognize the wounds and claim them as my own. To care for them as I would mine. Not to let another four years go by or another moment go by. Not to let the clock run out, but to love now in every broken place. That's the only way, bit by bit, to become a follower of Jesus. It's the only way, bit by bit, year by year, for us to grow into the body of Christ.